This is a wee bit of everything. The podcast that explores all things sport and teaching. Hello there and welcome to the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast with your hosts Lewis and Clark. Thanks for coming back to tune in to this week's episode. We really are amazed by all the support we have received from everyone so far. Our partner of the podcast is Premiership Experience who have played a big role in helping us develop. Premiership Experience offer fantastic sports tours within the UK and abroad so be sure to check them out on Twitter at Prem Experience. This is a professional learning platform where we get ideas and insights from like-minded professionals. Our vision is to inspire, to teach and to entertain. So let's get started with this week's episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. Hello there and welcome to the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast with your hosts Lewis and Clark. This week we're joined by Juliana Marciano for episode 96 of the podcast. Juliana is a PE teacher and a rugby coach in New Zealand. Juliana has coached rugby for over 20 years, with 10 of those years coaching at a top women's club in Scotland. After that, she became head coach for Scotland's women team and took them to two Six Nation campaigns. We're going to find out a wee bit more about Juliana's career as a PE teacher as well back in Scotland and find out about what our non-negotiables are for students and players when coaching rugby. We're also going to finish from what she thinks makes a high-quality PE lesson. And I think we have to say, Lewis, we need to thank her for coming on at such an early time. Um, I think it's early in the morning over there in New Zealand. So I think it's about 12 or 13 hours, isn't it? I think it is. So that would make it yeah, 7 in the morning or something like that. So 7.27. Oh, it's a fantastic feat for a... Uh, Superb. Great commitment to the podcast. So we thank her. And then we'll, we'll get her on to the show and start uh, delving deeper into the... Some rugby and PE chat. Hi, Juliana. Welcome to the wee bit of everything. Oh, can I say that? Uh, welcome to the wee bit of everything podcast. Sorry, how are you doing? I'm good. Hi, not bad. How's uh, how's life been over in New Zealand? Oh, I you know, kiwis and barbecues. <laughs> nah, I'm only joking. And it's like a winter, uh, uh, autumn now. So uh, six thirty in the morning. So um, I know it's great. Great lifestyle and good experience. Well, sorry for getting you up so early for this podcast. Great commitment to the cause. Um, yeah. How was the weather over there then in winter? Ah, you know, it's good. It's, it's, it's still pretty. It's still pretty warm. It's cold in the mornings, in the evenings, but in the afternoon you can still you can still get the old shorts and the, the flip flops on. Uh, got to make the most of it while it lasts. Well, Can't do that here. No. no. <laughs> No, the day I was soaked today, trying to teach athletics, <laughs> it was good. Usually when you move on to athletics, the weather gets better, but no, not here at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, well, thanks a lot for joining us this morning, anyway, for you to share your knowledge and experience of teaching PE and coaching rugby. Um, would, you, would you be able to give uh, us and the listeners a, a little uh, background information on your career to date? Yeah, sure. Um, I've been a PE teacher for just over 20 years and a rugby coach around about the same time. Um, started playing rugby when I was at school and actually that was that was a really key difference in my life that I got the experience to do that at school. Um, and when went to University of Edinburgh, Murray House, um, I continued to play throughout. Um, suffered a, a 
I've suffered quite a few injuries and uh, I know you have a lot of footballers on. I've mm. had four ACL reconstructions in my life. Um, and that's, the thing rub, that's the thing with rugby, isn't it? It's pretty oh, tough, listen, brutal. Well, 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 three of them, two, two stroke three of them through rugby, but one through hockey because I'm a bit like a lot of the, the PE teachers that you'll have on. Um, we just can't stop playing games. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> Is that on bo- was that both knees? Yeah, I've done both knees. Oh, um, have so you? I've had, oh. I've had, yeah, so at university I had, uh, I played for Murrayfield Wanderers and it was, was pretty good and I, was, I played for Scottish Unis and was chatting in the door of the Scotland team and there was a World Cup coming up and really excited and did my ACL when I was in second year of uni, um, but it fixed. Um, and then just times were different then and the, the rehab was different and the surgery was different and did it again in my fourth year. <laughs> the same me, uh, probably hadn't recovered properly, um, but uh, eventually recovered, started my teaching career, continued to play rugby, and my first job was at Bales Hill Academy in North Lanarkshire, and uh, tell you what, that set me up for life. Um, but again, you know, a bit of a different era, when I joined I had my, my timetable, um, it, was, it, was, it was a male PE teacher's timetable, so mostly boys classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first class, 30 S4 boys from Bales Hill. <laughs> I very, very quickly learned uh, behaviour management, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, my boss there was a big rugby guy um, and he thought it was probably probably quite funny that he had this wee girl starting her teaching career and she was a rugby player, you know. Um, and he, and I, think he, I think he probably set it down as a challenge and he said, uh, right then, you can take the under-16 boys and you can referee on Saturdays. And uh, I did that. did that for five years at Bales Hill Academy. And, Is that your uh, probation year? Well, times were different then. You right. had to do a two-year probation, and you right. had to find it yourself. You weren't given it. So for some people, it took three, four, five years to do your two-year probation, because you just had to go and supply and find it. And it wouldn't have been as easy as like how well-connected we are now in terms of like technology and that? Oh no, absolutely not. No, mm-hmm. um, you just you just had to apply to the council, and hopefully you would get stuff. And I was very lucky. I was at Bales Hill Academy on long term supply for uh, four years. Four years. Right. Um, so I, it was handed to me in a plate, but it was just circumstances. So coached rugby, top PE, um, and my boss was a guy, uh, Richard McClatchy, a rugby legend back in the. 70s, 80s, 90s, and he's responsible for a lot of the growth in, in rugby in central Scotland. And uh, he very much encouraged me um, in his own old-fashioned way, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I very much thank him for my career in coaching, because if it wasn't for him, I don't think I would have taken that up. And, and, that, was, and that was through schools rugby. Right. Um, and I played, I continued to play, and then kind of uh, round about I don't know, I think it must have been about 25 or 26. I did my left knee. So I did two reconstructions on my right, one on my left. And uh, I, I, was, I was devastated because um, you'll know yourself if you've had injuries. A lot of your life revolves around sport. It was my whole social life. It was, mm-hmm. it was everything mm-hmm. for me. Um, and I would, mm-hmm. kind of had been chatting in the door trying to get in the Scotland, on Scotland squad again. Um, round about this time, I then got a year supply at Cardinal Newman, which is just along the school, along the road, sorry. For, mm-hmm. um, you've got Bales Hill Academy at one end of the street that's non-dome, 
my national. Mm -hmm. And then I was shipped to Cardinal Newman, which is the Catholic school at the other end of the street, the main street. Yeah. So I've spent a lot of my teaching life in the one town. And, uh, you know, you feel as if when you're walking along the street, you know everybody. So you wouldn't have to know the PT there, Kevin Egan? I will speak about Kevin Egan because Kevin Egan was my boss for 15 years and absolutely oh, wow. love him to bits, man. Oh, Aye, so he, he, uh, he will. His, his son's like, he was on probation. I was on probation. He'll be his son. I'm good, really good pals. He's son. And mm -hmm. yeah, that right? with him good pals with Kev, Kev as well. Aye. Oh, Aye. what a boy. What a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I know Kevin really well. Um, so I that's when I met Kevin Egan. Um, round about, um, so in terms of teaching, I uh, if I talk about teaching first, I the I was at Cardinal Newman and I was there two thousand and five to to twenty twenty, and I did a year supply and then I got the job permanently, mm -hmm. um, and just such a forward thinking department and school. Head teacher was a woman called Isabel Boyd, um, and she really drove that school and put her school on the map. Um, in, in, in terms of the PE department, the leadership from Kev, but more importantly, like he developed everyone in our department as leaders. With mm -hmm. you know a lot of people going on to be PT, um, and it was still a point where in two thousand and five you had your higher class, and there's two girls in it and twenty eight boys. Mm -hmm. It was still that kind of time, you know, and um, mm -hmm. very much different from the kind of the uptake that you take now. You need one higher class. Um, when I left Cardinal Newman with three higher classes, full um, with a mixture of boys and girls, and it's testament to the the, the ethos and the, the developments that happened within that department that encouraged people to take PE, whether they were whether they were top performers or or just enjoyed being in the department and. Kevin really developed me, um, and as I say, and, and many others in the department, by giving us responsibility. So was that, was, that was, really, was that what was really good at? Can I get oh, people to buy into his kind of vision and giving them responsibility? Vision, vision but, but you, you got to develop your own. He was very open to, you know, mm -hmm. we, we were one of the first to, in fact, I, I don't know how many schools do it, but it was time up for the, t and, uh, for the, in the timetable and, um, you know, back 10, 12 years ago, it was like, right, well, there's a free period. We're going to deliver health and wellbeing as a, as a standalone subject. So mm -hmm. our pupils get three periods in our department with two practical and then we'd want a classroom-based mm -hmm. session. You know, and it was everything. We, we very much used that to our advantage for teaching, um, like, because we did a concept-based approach through the kind of general PE curriculum, but we set, we set the kind of seeds there for for national five and higher in terms of the literacy and the, mm -hmm. the kind of all the, the evaluation skills and uh, fitness and fitness profiling, fitness testing. And actually we started it in primary school because we sent our sports leaders down and they would do fitness work with the, with the P7s and everything like that. But it was just, it was really good. And we very much used that health and wellbeing mm -hmm. uh, lessons for everything to do with health and wellbeing, nutrition, uh, developing confidence and self-esteem which yep. we used to do through the old uh, social dancing mm -hmm. <laughs> um, can't, can't beat it oh, we've missed okay. that over the last couple of years that's, uh, a, um, that's, a, that's a brilliant yeah. time so, in school. You know, by the end of first year the kids had been doing fitness testing and they would 
they would do it themselves. Like they could run the fitness test themselves and they had a fitness profile. So see, by the time you come to national four or five and higher, they, they knew all these methods of, uh, you know, the... Um, ah, collection, no. That's good. So, you know, it was really, really so good. So I was, I was in first year then, three periods in first year? And second year. And second year? Wow. And third year, first to third year. Jeez, oh, that's good. good. That's a good foundation for them. So, so, I mean, so, yeah. And obviously that develops you as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Because you're teaching class, it was classroom based, but with a license to do practical work in it. Yep. You know, so if you were talking about like maybe heart rates and you know monitoring that kind of side, you could take your class out and walk, get, get them to do some you know, different levels of activity and measuring the heart rates and writing stuff down. And so you, you could use it any way that you wanted. Yeah. Um, so, no, it was really, really good and it developed, I would say it developed us as teachers as well in terms of our classroom, teaching from the theoretical side, mm-hmm. along, along with and mixed in with, with practical work. So I taught there and then the last couple of years, I'd done, I had done two years of acting PT PEF. So my right. role was really much say, celebrating success and equity. Um, and I worked with a lot of kind of... Um, Kids in SIMD one to three, and targeted interventions there. And um, just before I left, I was got, I was permanent promoting positive behaviour, which is pretty much the same, the same remit. Um, in terms of coaching, when I had that injury back in uh, when I was I don't know, two thousand seven two thousand and eight, I'd been in the, the Scottish Development Squad, and um, they'd actually then approached me and asked me to be a manager. Um, mm-hmm. And we went to Club La Santa Lanzarote for a training week. Um, and it was an excellent experience, but I found it really hard as well because I wanted to play. Yep. Um, and you go through all the emotions. I, the club that I played for was, was everything to me and we achieved a lot of success. It was kind of the top club in Scotland. Um, and I ended up, when I came back from that, I, I became the head coach of the club side. I coached for 10 years and we were very successful. We won the league and the cup multiple times. Um, Is that a team in Glasgow? Um, uh, Edinburgh. Edinburgh, Murray, right. Murrayfield Wanderers. Murrayfield and then, Wanderers. Um, I'm, I'm trying to cut us down because I've done, I've done that much. So while I was coaching there, then the job came up from the Scottish Rugby Union part-time to, to be the head coach of the development squad. And at that point, I thought, oh, okay. Well, I'm, I've, I am a, a coached, I've coached school. I've coached, um, I'm coaching my club. I threw my hat in the ring. And I didn't really think I would get it, and I did get it. Um, and then that kind of squad, it, it changed its format. It was then the Scotland A squad, and then I did Scotland under-20s, which is a lot of kind of you know, development stuff um, as well. And then in 2013, the job came up for head coach of Scotland Women. Um, and again, I was I kind of thought, well, I'll apply. I've got a bit of experience, but it's still very much as a, a man's game in terms of the coaching aspect. Um, but I, I got it. So I had two years travelling around Europe and living in hotels while I was teaching full-time. Oh, at really? I It's because it was a part-time role, but it was a full-time job, if you think about it. Uh-huh. And the funding wasn't there as much as it is now. So it was really, it was difficult, but it was a great, great experience. Um, and then that role came to an end. Quite rightly, the Scottish Rugby Union realised that they needed a full-time coach. Um, and I was in a quandary. 
about what to do because I'd been a teacher and you've obviously got job security as a teacher and, and you know, do you apply and whatever else. And we were talking negotiations and to the point there was, was salaries mentioned. And then at the last minute, kind of, my knees were chopped off again. <laughs> and uh, they, they appointed internally. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't a job I could apply for. Ah, right, so okay. Somebody that already worked full time um, in the, in the, for the union. Um, the coaching set up. Was, was given that role and did a very good job, let me say. Um, so I was really disillusioned with rugby at that point and I really didn't know what to do. But literally the next week I got a phone call from DL Rugby Club right. asking would I, would I be head coach there of the men's, the men's first 15. And again, I'm like, wow, my goodness, can I do this? Because I don't think there was any other. There might have been one woman that had coached for a year down in um, the borders. What makes, you doubt, what makes you doubt yourself like that, though, after having such a strong kind of coaching background? And it's weird, isn't it? I know, I know, and it's, it's not a good thing. It's not a good yeah. thing. And, I, suppose, um, I, I suppose it's quite a common thing, though. Like, it's, a, it's a different challenge altogether, though, I suppose. I, I have to say, though, it's like anything. You doubt, I, I, doubt, I doubted myself, I think, because there hadn't been any women coaching. Mm. Um, Rugby's a game where there's a lot of talk, but that doesn't mean people understand the game. It doesn't mean that they're a good coach. Yeah. So a lot of chat is about, and then it's not sometimes till you see somebody coaching or you actually spend a bit of time and you go, actually, you're full of, you're full of it. <laughs> you mm-hmm. don't actually know what you're talking about. Yeah. And when I think, I do know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, I, and teaching and coaching go very much hand in hand. The skills are so similar. Now there is obvious differences because the performance element and the elite performance element. Mm. Um, but I think you know I think that's why a lot of PE teachers do go into coaching. Um, so I coached at DL for two seasons and, and did quite well. And then um, lots of things going on in my life and I ended up uh, coaching at Straven, which was kind of in a, a waste one team. Um, and as assistant coach, and then the next year I went to Alan Glens, and oh man, best experience of my life, loved it. Coached there for two years uh, with two real kind of a guy called Jimmy Sinclair, who was a who's again another rugby guy that everybody in Scottish rugby knows. Um, so was that why you were teaching as well? So you were doing this. At oh night? yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. So you know, you're taking you're taking netball teams after school. Right at half six, half six, you're going straight to. Straight to rugby training, Tuesday, Thursdays, all day, Saturday. Um, and I just had a ball, absolutely loved it. And I've learned so much. People say, what's the differences now? You play the same, men's and women's rugby is the same, but with men, it's obviously higher intensity. And just because more men play from a young age right through, mm-hmm. you've got that basis of a skill level that's there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And maybe maybe a bit more understanding. I don't know if that's generalising. Um, and ugh, I was I just the first year I was there, we lost by a point in the last kick of the game to get promotion, to get promotion up into National Three. And oh man, that was that was really tough. But probably one of the best games that I've been involved in my life. And then the next year, we were at the top of the league. We had one. We had something like one game to go with three games in hand, and we were right. we'd, we'd won. And it was um, we'd we'd won the league in promotion, and then COVID happened, and they decided not to do promotion relegation. 
Oh, that happened to one of our pals as well. Like, oh. played play, play for Bigger. Uh-huh. The bigger, yes, yes. bigger first team got promoted, didn't they? And it didn't, yeah, it, that, it, it, it didn't go up. Was, yeah, that was exactly the same year. It was the same time. Because I think they'd celebrated and everything. That's right, aye. And then, mm-hmm. then they decided not to promote. But the, 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 the best news is that uh, last weekend, Alan Glenn's uh, secured, the, secured the promotion and winning the league. So I'm really, nah. really pleased with the guys. So they deserved but, it in um, the end. Aye. But um, aye, that's the story. Um, in New Zealand here, I've, I've had the, I've, I'm coaching Colts, which is under 21 men stroke boys. Sometimes they're men, sometimes they're boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last season I coached the women's team and I was very fortunate. I had four black ferns in the squad, so that was really a great experience to, um, to be able to coach players that will potentially be playing in the World Cup this year. Wow. So... Lots of things going on. <laughs> a, busy, a busy career, but it sounds like a very enjoyable and uh, good memories to look back on. Aye, ups and downs, ups and downs. <laughs> Same with Everton. Well, Juliana, my question for you then, since you've obviously had such a um, decorated coaching and um, teaching career, if you like, what are your top three non-negotiables from your students and or your players? Right, um, I've got three things. And I think for players, they're non-negotiables. And for, for, um, for pupils, they are non-negotiables, but you need to work harder to get them. Yeah. And they're not a given. Okay? The very first thing that comes to mind for me is communication. Um, if I take the rugby ones and the easy ones, for, like, as, a, as a coach, communication is key. Like, I need to know... Are you available? Are you coming to training? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's like the kind of organisation stuff. But then also um, feedback. You know, do you understand what's going on in the pitch? Uh, you know, develop a leadership group and you, you open channels of communication through through them. You speak to them and then they disseminate it throughout the squad. Um, so you just had kind of more experienced players and stuff in the squad for that? It, it, usually it's more experienced players. Mm-hmm. I quite like having one or two people there that I think will be future leaders and future got captains. You. you know, so it's, it very much depends on the group of people that you've got. Yeah. Communication is a must. I've dropped players because I didn't, they didn't come to training and they didn't tell me. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of realised I might not like what you're going to tell me, but you, must, you have to tell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a bit of courtesy, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. But then, you know, the, that communication and the feedback that you give individuals in the team, um, and it's that whole including everybody. Now, that's easy for players because players choose to be there. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, with, with pupils, it's obviously different because they're in, they're in your class whether they want to be there or not. We always want them to be there. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and but so communication, it's a non-negotiable, but the onus is on us to to promote that. Yep. You know, and obviously like we do that through the ethos and the atmosphere that you sit in your classes that they're open, that they feel that they can communicate with you, but that you give them opportunity to com- communicate in one to one. So if there's an issue or a problem or walking past them in the corridor, hi yeah, how you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh good and then that communication develops to oh miss shouting down at you you know as they're coming out of maths we're not doing the bleep test today are we 
Uh, I were, you know that we are, but you just wanted to check. Yes, okay. So, or or that you know the question and answering that you do um, through through teaching and learning, um, the, the developing the communication amongst them. So it's a non-negotiable, but that's down to us to 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 promote that and develop that. But it's a key thing. If you have don't have communication, your class is not gonna gonna function. Yeah, the way that you want it to be, and the, the pupils are not going to get the best opportunities to learn and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the second thing is again, it's that open to open to learning, open to being coached, growth mindset. That's a word that's bandied about all the time, and and it's the same thing. When, when players come, they have to be they have to be coachable, and I've had players that are not coachable, and that makes life really difficult, and it stops it stops the team functioning. Um, if people don't want to try things or be given feedback in order to improve, that's really hard in that sports setting. Have you ever turned that around, like with a with players, or is it is it or has it ever been like kind of maybe the t- total polar opposite, and you've maybe had to drop them like from the squad altogether? I'm trying to think. If if somebody's not open to feedback, right, and won't accept what you're saying and say and say, says that we are wrong. Mm-hmm. Well ultimately yes, you do need to drop them. Yeah. Or perhaps you don't start them. Or if it's having an influence on the play on the pitch, it can also have an influence in the changing room. Mm-hmm. And definitely you know, I'm not always in the changing room. I can't be <laughs> being a female. Yeah. You know, so there's you know there's that's why you just need to be strong to your, your own beliefs, isn't it? You just need to stick but to them. As you mentioned earlier on, you know, why do I sometimes doubt myself? But I, I think when I talk about it, I some, and I think and I sometimes doubt myself, but actually when I think my, in my actions, I don't doubt myself because as mm-hmm. you say, I've learned to be strong. I've been in situations whereby, you know, people see you as a, as a woman and not that, don't know about rugby, but actually I do know about rugby and, you know, anything, I'm very much about anything I say is based, based first up on fact. So mm-hmm. if I'm giving negative feedback to a player, it's usually because I've got video evidence. Yeah. Or, so I've argue it. or I've got, well, look, I've got texts here that say, that, you know, I haven't got a message from you, blah, blah, blah. Um, but generally with, with that, that kind of, you know, level of sport, people want to be there and they want to improve. So mm-hmm. they, they generally are open. With pupils, again, that's down to us to help develop that. A lot of pupils naturally have that, are open to learning and want to improve. But then sometimes you'll get you'll get people that, that just don't they do it their way and that's it and they're not open to to anything else. Um and again that comes down to the same thing. It's about the relationships you have with pupils to encourage them and motivate them and develop that in them and develop resilience and but the what the way that we structure our lessons so that they they achieve, then they're challenged, change it again so they achieve, but then they're challenged and mm-hmm. they really see They've mm. got the potential to, you know, the classics are tram- trampolining. I'm not going on that trampoline. Well, why don't you go on a trampoline? Blah, 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 blah. You know, you can spend a period trying to get somebody to go on a trampoline. But then when they get on that trampoline, they love it. Mm. And then, you know, and then it's on to the, the, like, what skills we're going to learn. But it's, it's putting that work in and, and get, letting them to trust you and show that they've, show that, show that show them the positives that they have in themselves, I suppose. Um, and then the last thing is respect. Again, not something that you can demand. 
Yeah. But something as a coach and a teacher is really, really, really important. And you, you earn respect, uh, you know, in, in being organised, in being fair, in being kind, in being knowledgeable. Um, in, in rugby, that's through demonstrating your knowledge, uh, being, uh, being motivational, being organised, giving people opportunities, being fair in your selections. Um, in the relationships and then you know yourself and pupils you've very much got to earn it mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that when I come back and I walk in and nobody knows me and it's you know it's, yeah. it's, it's starting again ah oh, you've got to earn respect it's very very mm-hmm. easy when you've been in a school for 5, 10, 15 years because you almost automatically have that yeah you... I almost find myself trying to promote respect within the class as well like the way they speak yeah. to each other Sometimes the way they speak to each other is kind of unacceptable yeah. as well, and try to like uh-huh. and remind that, them of how yeah. they should be and speaking then, yeah. in manners. And it's it's not it's I'm talking about respect, and it sounds like I'm talking about respect for me. It's not about respect for me. It's about as you say, respect within the class, mm-hmm. respect when you are playing a game. That's the sportsmanship element. Yeah. Um, you know that kind of you know even if you're playing a game of dodgeball, that either everybody's competitive, but you know you're you're not abusing people and that the whole sportsmanship respect again you have to earn by being mm-hmm. fair being kind to pupils even sometimes when it's really difficult yeah uh, Lois, yeah Lois joins, Lois joins in for dodgeball with a big Swiss ball don't you full <laughs> <laughs> uh, scale throwing it about like a madman <laughs> oh my god you ever took part in what dodgeball though and hit a pupil oh how you feel bad? I felt bad. I had them in the face. <laughs> oh my god, it's disaster. At the same time, though, I had a first year class and we we're playing, and you know, and like sometimes you're playing, like if I'm, if you're hit, you know, I kind of fall to the ground, like I've been shot, right? Oh. And I'm not joking, about, about 14 folk came over and absolutely started pelting me while I was in the ground, and they absolutely <laughs> loved it. And I'm like, and I stood up and said, right, guys, that was your one shot for the year. It <laughs> is brilliant. I love it. Just getting, like, you just become a big kid, don't you? You just get right involved with it. But do you know what? That's respect, though. Because mm. you're showing them that you can have fun, that you mm. can take a hit. Mm. That, you know, like... Oh, you're not scared you, to take a hit. And that's the community, that's that, you know, and then the communication develops. And I, I, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but... It's just those things that, you know, the kids will remember that. <laughs> yeah. So it's try to capitalise on those wee moments, but isn't it? And use them as like, almost like wee teachable moments and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like out with the actual, what you're actually trying to teach within the lesson, mm-hmm. like the content. And that's like, it's all these mm-hmm. other wee things that you're trying to kind of manage and use as examples of what respect and mm-hmm. stuff looks like, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I like, I like the way you can put, your, put that kind of spin on it with obviously your coaching side and your teaching side. You had... Um, uh, we've had a few coaches on and with the coaches we've kind of asked that question it's been interesting the responses we've got but the kind of overarching thing was kind of like what you alluded to as well was that they have the with a, f- a football or a rugby team you've got the power of selection so they're kind of more inclined to be better at communicating yeah. have that respect be more open-minded and stuff whereas in a school like you said it is something that needs to be to be earned and you need to kind of almost establish yourself to get those yep. sort of non-negotiables mm-hmm. but um Aye, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, so Juliana, see in terms of your time spent in New Zealand, is there anything mm-hmm. you think we could learn from in Scotland in terms of trying to uh, raise participation rates um, for rugby, particularly? 
Um, for me, a key thing is grass pitches because mm -hmm. that's one of the first things that springs to mind. Now, there's, there's lots and lots of things, but, you know, in, in kind of Lanarkshire especially, like, you had all these new builds and great facilities, great schools and 4Gs. Mm -hmm. It's not ideal for can't, rugby, can't is it? Play rugby. Can't play rugby, you know, and the upkeep of grass pitches is not there. And, you know, even if you were travelling somewhere else, like, it, um, the football's played in 4Gs and, and it's just, I don't know, like, it's, you can't really do contact. Can't do contact mm -hmm. without grass. And it's just I think it's like an absolute stupid question here, right? But I wonder obviously it's a, a fortune initially to install like a 4G pitch um, mm -hmm. to get obviously all the ground leveled and everything. But it's obviously mm -hmm. in the long run that that is kind of a bit more sustainable. But mm -hmm. in terms of like grass pitches, is that like I don't know if you know the answer to that question. That, that might be one for somebody who's listening in that might be able to answer it. But um, how ex like, I don't know how expensive that would be to level off and put like a really nice bit of a bit of turf would be so much better, wouldn't it? But I would imagine it would be cheaper. Aye, initially, oh. but then I suppose you've got the upkeep of it and trying to trying to maintain yeah. the. But yeah, I, I don't mean, know. I suppose the drainage and stuff like that. Eh? Aye, but I mean, like, you go back years ago, all we had was grass pitches. I know that, so, and that's all we've got. We've been trying it for, for years at our school. We've not got to get one. We've got hundreds of space at the back, and don't get um, me wrong, the, the surface we've got is it's a big, massive flat area, and we paint the athletics mm -hmm. track and that on it. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. But in the winter, it's just waterlogged and we don't get to use it for yeah. um, a good four months of the year. Yeah. So do you, think, do you teach rugby there? No, we uh, don't. Are you talking about me? Aye, you lost. No, I, yeah. no, we don't. We, we've no. not got anybody in the, de the department. No. Um, um, I think the other thing is, like, within school, like, honestly, if it wasn't for school, I wouldn't have played. And that was really down to the teachers that were there. So mm. you need people that are... Get rugby and backgrounds and stuff. And, and, right. Like you do, the way that the... I might be wrong about this, but the development officers are attached to clubs and their job is to develop rugby for the, the rugby club and schools. And I think it's too big a job. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think you need somebody specific to develop rugby. Like, and I'm not saying that's the, not the authorities. It used to be that you had these people... And it was part funded by the authority and part funded by the Scottish Rugby Union. But it'll come down to money. Yeah. You need, you need you need the personnel. It doesn't need to be a PE teacher. It was an English teacher that took us. Yeah, that's rugby. right. You know, um, so it's, it's just someone who's passionate about it, I suppose, and has played it. it uh, and I mean, I, I said earlier on when I first started teaching and my first coaching was under sixteen boys. We played on a Saturday morning. Right. I don't know if school sports happens. Like it does happen. I don't know in Lanarkshire. I don't know school sport that happens on a Saturday morning. No, I don't know. I'm a I did. You know, um, sat on a on a on a Saturday morning. I used to vent my night out on a Friday night, and it was quite tricky. But I still got up every Saturday morning <laughs> and refereed rugby. Well, you know, um, and we were done by eleven o'clock. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, so I suppose you're just sobering up by then. So that's. Probably well, pretty well done. <laughs> the, janitor, the janitor used to pick me up, so... <laughs> well, that, that explains then how kind of heavy it might have been. <laughs> um, well, I, think, I think it's a mixture of things. Like, here rugby is just ingrained. 
Everybody yeah. plays it from four or five, right? But that, and, and I think in primary schools, there is a decent amount of tag rugby that goes on. And I think the development officers really focus a lot of attention on that mini midi age. So then those players then go and play for their club. Um, yep. But then it's at high school, I don't know, it, like school rugby seems to have died a death in, in Lanarkshire anyway. Um, uh, I would say that as well. Compared to compared to previous years, and again, it's maybe just the personnel changing. Um, I think I do. I think facilities have not helped. Um, is rugby in the PE curriculum? As an hour. Well, good. Well, that's well. I'm really pleased to hear that. You know, it was my first school, and it, but Carbon Newman, it it wasn't. We'll play tag. Play tag. Um, I think there's just, I think, I honestly think schools are the key to develop, to um, um, improving that participation. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing was here, there's a different attitude to rugby. Sports, on a, it's a Saturday. Now, back home, I think mini midi rugby's on a Sunday morning, women's rugby's on a Sunday afternoon, and men play on a Saturday, right? Here, mm-hmm. starting at half eight in the morning, you've got mini, midi, under, under 15s, then at the same venue you've got women, you have men's first 15, second 15, third 15, and it's a family day. Just all day Saturday? The whole day Saturday. That's brilliant. And that's it done. And then on Sunday, Sunday, that's it. You know what it's, and I don't know, it's just, it's just, that's not, that's not school's fault, but in terms of developing rugby, um, I just the argument was that there's not the referees or the facilities in Scotland to have everything on the same day. That's why women play on a on a mm-hmm. Sunday and that we kids are playing a Sunday morning as well. Is there more competition but, with like say football and stuff like that then do you think? I think that could be maybe part of the issue too or in Scotland? Yeah. Oh undoubtedly. Aye. Is it, what, is it, what would be the what would be the kind of so obviously rugby's the most I'm at right saying that's the kind of most popular sport in New Zealand? Um aye. And in, in the summer they play cricket. Right. Um, but also, but the attitude is that you play more than one sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even the top, like playing men's here, they play. They will play cricket in the summer. People mm-hmm. play. Everybody plays touch rugby, even if you're not a rugby player. It's a it's social sport. How, like how guys play five aside football doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they might not play for a football team, but they'll go and play fives. Everybody right. here plays touch rugby. Right. Doctors for the hospital, you know, like. Work, you know, folk working in a shop, they'll get a touch rugby team together and play in a league in the summer for fun. That does exist in Scotland. It's just not as not as big. Yeah, is, f- is, f- is football not big over there at all? Ah, yeah, is soccer's aye. really really cool. Soccer, soccer's really. Ah, it? um, it's, it's up grown. Yeah, is it? a lot of kids. Yeah, they play in the school that I'm kind of relief teaching in. Soccer's they've got a football team and I know it's it's definitely. Sports mm-hmm. just all sports just massive here. It's, I mm-hmm. think it's it's just the culture, it's the outdoors, the weather will have a lot to do with it. Which we can't help in Scotland. Do you think um, it's, there's more better participation rates in New Zealand? Undoubtedly, mm-hmm. it's part of people's life. Yeah, everybody plays sport, and adults play sport. As I said, even if it's social. Have you noticed a difference then in terms of like at high school level and stuff like that? Obviously, it's like quite noticeable. Eh. Uh, you don't you don't get many people sitting out of PE. Yeah. Um the extracurricular is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Everything from rowing to 
which is you know, obviously got cost implication. There's everything, basketball's massive, basketball, the participation levels, um, fitness levels, fitness levels are much better. Yeah. It's just, just, just because they are more involved in sport, though. That's just Absolutely. a kind of natural. And the mums and dads are as well, bro, and families. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, and, Talk to them uh, early. Uh, it's, just, it's just the way it is. Everybody's just outdoors all the time, and that's not something we can change in Scotland. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I not- I very much noticed in the latter part of my. Before I, before I came away, the fitness levels at school. The, the skill levels in Scotland, like catching and throwing, catching yeah. and throwing, folk being able to run. I know the basic fundamentals, isn't it? Sad. So, I know, but I don't know. Primary schools, I think, have got a, a role to play. I, I, I'm, how, how does it work in the primaries there? Is there a PE teacher in every primary? Or no, they... no, no. But just to get a lot of PE and they're outside a lot. And mm-hmm. I actually did, um, while I was waiting on my work, my work visa, I did voluntary stuff in a primary school, which ended up me taking every class all day, every day, because I was the <laughs> PE teacher. <laughs> right. um, I learned an awful lot about Maori games, which is quite interesting, just different kind of games that, you know, cultural games. Um, that's, that's something you could bring back to, to Scotland. Oh, aye, absolutely. absolutely. We, we, did a, like, we, we did a block in uni for non-traditional sports and all that. It was brilliant. Uh-huh. And we all had to like put any groups and come up with, or like go and research like non-traditional sports. Um, so uh-huh. I, that's what that No, it's good. That. It's good. I, I don't know. I don't know what that, like, I think money, facilities, personnel, it's, it's all of it. It's all of it to help. And, and you know, rugby's such a big thing. Murrayfield is sold out every time there's a Six Nations game. You know, people like going to watch rugby. People are interested in rugby. Um, the competition with football as well. Quite often, I, I did some stuff at Cardinal Newman and, you know, kind of at, at different points. And the footballers will not play rugby in case they get injured. Mm-hmm. But not, not because they don't want to, but maybe they've been told by their coach that they can't. I think... I don't know. That's been a problem much specific to different clubs and things like that. You know, I'm not yeah. generalising there. But um, I think being open to kids playing more than one sport is really important in terms of enjoyment, health, well-being, you know. And also developing that kind of broad skill kind of repertoire, yeah, I feel yeah. like. You know, it's you kind of get that attitude that, you know, your 12-year-old your that's signed for a top club they're going to be a professional. There's a lot of people that have, at age 12 signed for a top club. You're not all going to be professionals. The gymnast that won't do anything in case they get injured. The dancer, no, I can't because in case I go over my ankle. And I don't know. Like I think we should be encouraging kids to do more than one sport mm-hmm. where possible. Totally. You know? yeah, it's going to be good for them. Yeah. Definitely. Like, can I want to... Uh, uh, a different topic then we've kind of spoke about a, a good few things there so thanks for sharing that Juliana um next one's going to be your to get your thoughts on the the journey women have come in sports since kind of the start of your career mm-hmm. um, yep. and where do you kind of see this going in the future well I think I think there's a, been a massive change um and a lot of that is to do with you know equality and the, the change in culture and in, in all in all manners you know with women um, and as a result, sports gets to benefit from that. You know, um, there's the the women in the different roles. You know, become becoming football coaches. You've got your 
with some some top um, high level women that are involved in football, mm-hmm. Shelley Care and people like that. You know, that are, and the media is very good and very positive in promoting those female role models. Yeah, you get some really good um, female pundits and and football. So, like I always listen to Talk Sport in the morning with Laura Woods and yeah. Alan McCoy. She's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, in terms of the media as well, like when both rugby and football, you've got the females on the commentary team mm-hmm. sitting discussing before and after. You know, they're very. It's much more visual now. And that's it's all down. Media plays a massive part. Social media, um, you know, people kind of posting things and celebrating successes. Um, so I think there's definitely been a change in people in different roles mm-hmm. in the kind of the management, the coaching roles. And then, like, I think it's already just became kind of came like normal now. I think when you watch, but that's good. TV, yeah, I, feel, I feel as if it's just normality, um, yeah. which is good. Then that's what we're yeah, kind of striving for. The is, these things take time for them to become normal, don't they? Uh-huh. Aye. You know, yeah. Um, you used to used to see, you know, you would occasionally see somebody like Gemma Faye or something commentating. And you'd be like, oh, look at her. There's there's a there's a woman, and now it's kind of it's just a norm. norm. It's a total norm. And what was it the the World Cup. That was the, the Euros this year. Was a, I don't forget her name, the female commentator, but she was brilliant, so knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'd say, like, and obviously there's an onus on unions to promote women in these leadership roles. The SFA, the, the Scottish Rugby Union, etc. You know, like, they won't. And there, there was a period of time, you know, I definitely know that if I was, you know, they will use you in advertising because it's good to have a woman in that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just been I, something on Canterbury Rugby here the other day, and it's me coaching, and it's like become a coach. And I thought, ah, that's a token female there. That's me, <laughs> you know. It's like the vet, but do you know what? I'll take it because yeah. it helps me in the long run as well. Yeah, it's all that visual. Um, players, opportunities for players. Oh, I, do you know? I really wish that if we went back to when I was kind of 13, 14, I would have been a footballer. Mm-hmm. See the opportunities for girls in football now. You know, I right. just, I'm not in percent. Just it's, it's there, that the teams are there. Um, and that's encouraging and, and improving the participation of, of girls in, in football. And, and there are rugby teams as well, you know, and just anything and everything. Um, a, lot of, a lot of kids I've taught, taught back, you know, at Carmel Newman were into the, the martial arts, the Taekwondo and all that, you know. And I just think, God, I wish I'd lived in that. I wish I was now, you know, and I had those opportunities. So I think, mm-hmm. I think in terms of female participation, it's really come on. Pay. No. They're starting to pay people now in terms of to become semi-professional, stroke professional, which mm-hmm. didn't exist previously. You look at the equity pay stuff that happens in tennis. Um, so I just think you know all these kind of things. So I think the journey with women has been massive, and there's still a long way to go. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, in terms of all those aspects and participation, players, women being able to become successful professional players and supported in order to do so, because mm-hmm. previously women you could play for your you could play for your country, but you you worked in Tesco during the day. Aye. You know, that's um, not that's and, not right. I know it can be like an actual career. Yeah, that they can make it a career and that there's equity for, you know, in pay and, and prize money and things and all that. Like, so all those kind of things. It's moving in the right direction for sure. So yeah. hopefully oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll make it continue. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so it's kind of switching off again. Um, 
Juliana, uh, we kind of covered quite a lot of topics here. So moving on to the kind of last question in the main part of the, the episode, um, we, asked this, we asked this to most of our guests, like, to get, to get, to get their opinion on what makes a high-quality PE lesson, in, in your opinion, from your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, a high-quality PE lesson is one that we enable young people, no matter their circumstances or ability, to enjoy PE. Mm-hmm. That is key. That's a, that's because a goal. if they enjoy PE, they will want to continue to do that throughout their life. Mm-hmm. And primarily, it's to promote health and well-being, I, I feel. Now, obviously... The impact that exercise can have on their kind of on their life, yeah, on their life, and then, but also then through that because they're motivated, so a lot of people will, will take up or continue to to play sport outside school, mm-hmm. and for some people that will be at a really high level, and for some people it's playing five sides with their pals on a Friday yep. night, either yeah. or. I think mm-hmm. it's just try to make the point that it's not to, it's not necessarily to always develop those. I always try and make that point anyway to develop like those kind of top class athletes no. to try and get that enjoyment and to find no. a, find, uh-huh. and, find a love for actually being active almost. Yeah, and the key thing there is no matter the circumstances and ability, because yeah. having worked in very much in that kind of equity area, there's 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 pupils that that could end, could end up being top performers. Mm-hmm if they're given an opportunity to enjoy and, and, and participate in PE and then perhaps in school sport. There's some that will never be top performers, but in being PE will change their life or, sorry, will give them that 50 minutes of fun that they might not have. Mm-hmm. So in terms yeah. of health and well, you know, the, obviously the physical aspect to be fit and healthy, the, the social skills to make friends, um, you know, having run netball teams and stuff like that. I know, it, like, the, the girls loved playing netball. I never did any training, by the way. I run mm. four netball teams and we didn't do training. We had a night, a Wednesday night, and I would have had four teams, and it was definitely a social club. Mm-hmm. Everybody was just chatting. And first years talked to six years, and we played netball games. We never actually did drills or anything like that. Because yeah. they wouldn't have came yeah. to netball. But they competed mm. all year in the netball leagues. Yeah, I suppose there's a lot that can be said for that, isn't it? If it's uh-huh. they're not too bored about being the best. And see those, and see those kids, uh, but that comes through developing the relationships in PE mm-hmm. in the classroom and providing those opportunities for everyone. The top yeah. performers will want to come anyway if they're motivated and they want to play, and encouraging those that might not come or wouldn't think to come. So promoting health and well-being. Physically, the physical, the social. Um, I think a high quality PE lesson um, develops those real life skills, um, developing mm-hmm. those leadership skills within pupils to take responsibility within class, take yep. responsibility for themselves and their actions, um, responsibility for learning, you know, and us as teachers using methodologies that, that promote that, the question and answering, problem solving giving them responsibility, right, you take your team over there, have a chat, work out what you're going to do next. Mm-hmm. Or, and then you've also got the more formal leadership stuff, whereby, well, I don't know, I, I quite often say to kids, right, you're on warm-up today, on you go, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I just put them on the spot, get them Perhaps. to the problem. 
problems of. Uh, yeah, they love or, it. Or the next lesson, you know, in that health and wellbeing uh, course that I talked about earlier, in the third year, we, we, taught, we did skills and they basically, for six weeks, they took PE. No, they took the health and wellbeing lesson, it was practical, and they, they, I said, you can take whatever you like, but you have to plan it. Somebody takes a warm-up, somebody takes the first bit, second bit, third bit. Mm-hmm. And they were given two, two lessons to plan it. And then for, for six weeks, kids delivered health and wellbeing, practical health and wellbeing lessons. Ah, that's great. That's skills, that's responsibility, that's communication. Yep. It's also mm-hmm. physical. So I think, I think enjoyment, op- um, opportunities to improve and become better performers, no matter what level, whether it's scoring your first ever basket or playing for Scotland. And differentiating through so that everybody achieves that success. And the PE class is a place where people want to be, mm-hmm. that they enjoy. See, see, sorry, see, see, see the lessons in the in New Zealand. Are they streamed, or is everyone like mixed ability? So, how, how how does it work over there? You know, they are streamed. And are they? Are they? Well, do, you, do you prefer that, like teaching classes who are streamed, or well, just? I would say, well, it's, 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 it's a bit of both. So basically in year nine here, uh-huh. it's, mixed, it's mixed classes, so there's mixed abilities. But then in year nine and 10, which is, I think it's equivalent like second and third year, there's uh-huh. what you, it's, it's, they're called learning support ca- uh, classes. And the kids know that they're called learning support classes. Right. It's kids that, that require learning support in maths, English, whatever. And, they put in those classes for all subjects, and I didn't like it. All right, so they're stuck in there. Aye. Yeah. You know, so. And because there's this, this debate, isn't it, between streaming them whether it's better, but, but then does it limit some of the kids who could potentially move, who could be learning from some of the top end? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, in my career, I have, we've done a variety of things. We've done a. Well, generally, I think, like, first and second year, mixed ability. And then we did, at Cardinal Newman, we, we, for a period, uh, we streamed in third year P. Um, and there was some real success from that. Uh, I think that's a good time to stream. At the, at the, at the, at the lower end. Mm-hmm. And participation levels then went through the roof for National 4 and 5 in fourth year because kids wanted to be in PE in third year. And that third year can be a real key year. Um, combined with we let them pick what they wanted to do, we gave them options. So they got to pick. We got they, we let them pick. So they, they were in a, they opted into their class as well. There was, so sometimes we streamed it, and sometimes we would say, right, say it was me, I'd say, right, okay, this year in Kopi, I'm going to do a trampoline and badminton and basketball. And then you would say, whatever, you would say, whatever. This is in the first week in August. Mm-hmm. And then kids went to where they wanted to go. This is like the kind of third year copy. Right. Not okay. only did they get to go with a teacher that they liked, with the people that they were that they were, would get on well with, and activities that they wanted to do. So the participation was high. That's a win-win then for right. everyone. I know there's right. a couple. What you've got to watch is that you've now got people who are challenging all together and it's going to be an absolute hard shift for somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you've got that with license to shift yeah. about slightly. It's trying to be flexible, I mean, isn't it, too? 
a comedy. Aye. Especially it's funny because you would, I mean, you would have kept, I mean, you would have three or four kids come over and say, right, Miss Booba wants to be in your class, and I'd be like, wait a minute, you don't like me. Mm-hmm. Why, why are you coming into my class? But like, I don't actually do. And I'm like, well, goodness sake, I, I wouldn't have known that, you know, like, you'd be joking. Uh, but, I have a bit of honor. Because, because things comes out, it comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And kids do want to be in your class. They just don't always tell you. Aye. I know, they've <laughs> funny, funny way of showing it. Uh-huh. And then you're like, well, okay, well, this is us for the year. I'm just reminding you that you're coming to me here. I will love to have you in my class. But remember that you've picked me here. Right, 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 okay. And then you end up having a good year and, you know, there's always ups and downs. But, again, that's that giving them responsibility, giving them a choice. Yeah, what was it so, you said, Lois, when you did that at the start of the year? Your school, you think I had my pound each to come over to your side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in debt. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, and like, so, you know, just to kind of clarify there, like, enjoyment, no matter. Promoting mm-hmm. health and well-being, opportunities to to progress and, and you differentiate in your lessons. And as a result of that, kids will be motivated. They'll bring their kid, their kit. The relationships are better. You will see that in the uptake of extracurricular as well as people participating in PE. Your behaviour will be better and the kids will want to help you and organise and take responsibility. Right. You know? Well, thanks for that. That was a really good uh, kind of ideal lesson there that you've shared. So um took a lot of notes there. And um, aye, thanks very much, Juliana, for that part of the episode. Lewis, will move on to the quick fire round now. Oh, no. <laughs> so we've got um, three three questions we finish off every podcast with. Um, uh-huh. Again, just for a, a wee bit of fun to kind of take it away from the, the more kind of serious uh-huh. questions. So again, it can link to teaching. It can link to anything at all. Um, right. The last one, number three, is always kind of more tailored to the, the episode, but the first two are just kind of whatever you, however you feel. So, are you ready? Aye, okay. Right, if you could have a giant billboard anywhere, what would it say on it? Oh. Don't be afraid to be brilliant. Don't be afraid to be brilliant. Quality, love it. Number two, which people or books have had the biggest influence on your life? People or books? Eh... We can give one of each if you if you're a big reader, if you like that. Um Legacy, which is a book about uh, the All Blacks and the the culture in the All Blacks. Good book. Mm-hmm. Not read it. See the hacker and um, 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 did it teach that in schools there in primary? What's that? The hacker. Have you learned how uh-huh. to do the hacker? Uh-huh. Pretty oh, straightforward. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward, eh? Uh, uh-huh. well, somebody so when somebody leaves, they'll do a hacker. Like if a member of staff was leaving the school, they would they'll do a hacker for them. Oh, really? So, they, so, so what age did they learn that? Well, if it, it, hackers are different. A school will have their own hacker. Oh, do they? There's not one hacker. Right, so the one you see... Right. So what is it? Like, is, it is it like a Maori thing? Uh uh-huh, it's Maori. It's Maori, a Maori, respect, can you... It's a respect and generally... Uh-huh. Um, but you don't have to be Maori to do it. Uh-huh. Generally, um, people of Maori culture will will lead it. Every school um, But but Maori is a is a standalone sub so Tereo Maori. It's a language is that's compulsory in mm-hmm. high school. Is it? And yeah, I mean, and there's, we have staff meeting every morning, and the like, hello, you say kia ora, kia ora, That's hello, like. 
language, the language is part of our school day. And I've had to relief teach a few times and um, the, the Tareel classes are in like what's, um, it's kind of like a marae, which is where the the EB, a tribe would be their kind of meeting place. Um, and I didn't know the first time I went in, I went in my shoes, and you're not allowed, you're not allowed in, you've got to take your shoes off. So when, when I'm ta if I'm taking a Tareel class, I've got to take my shoes off at the door. We all have our shoes wow. off. And you start off and I, it's, and it's all in Maori. Um, our staff meetings, we speak in Maori, the, we sing a karakia, the whole staff. The head teacher leads it <laughs> in the morning. What is it? Go on then, give us a rendition. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> I would have asked you to give us a, a hacker, but, but it's, it's only half seven in the morning. Come on. No. So, legacy and a person that's changed my life. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Well, that's, that's a hard one. Listen, see with, see, see with rugby, I would say Jimmy Sinclair. And he'll, he'll bloody love this, but we're teaching Kevin Egan. Kevin Egan. Yeah. Big up to Kevin Egan, wouldn't he? Let him know. Oh, it's a big shout out. Tell him to listen in. Brilliant. <laughs> top, top man. Aye, he absolutely is. Um, right, number three then. What top three tips would you give to our teacher listeners right now when teaching rugby in our schools? Um... Or to maybe I get started? Would, I would take to, to start it. Um, I would say a game centre approach. Really, really clear on, on, on uh, safety and teaching the tackle. Mm -hmm. How to tackle safe. That's, that's a must. So uh, first up, tackle safety and contact safety, um, game-centred approach, so lots of games, teaching through games, mm. and... Don't pass forward. Don't pass forward, I. <laughs> uh, and, and, and fun again, and fun again, just... Fun. Like, celebrate all successes, mm -hmm. and that's not always scoring a try. Yeah. Sometimes it's just catching the ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I can remember we went to a, a SAPI conference and I went, actually, because my, my rugby knowledge isn't, like, it's not my sport. I actually uh, went to a training session when I was younger and it was freezing cold and I thought I was going to get frostbite and that was enough to put me off it when I was a wee boy. And I, I was quite annoyed, actually, and I went back. But anyway, I went to a, a thing at SAPI and it was on, it was a, an input on tackling someone was delivering. And it was actually, like, really fun. Like, we, we had the mats mm -hmm. out and we were on our, we were on our yeah. knees and we were yeah. doing all these wee, like, drills it was almost like wrestling um, yeah. and it was just kind of teaching the different kind of components of a safe tackle through that which was I, I really enjoyed that actually yeah people are scared of it but actually it's like it's like anything you break it down gradual build up like mm -hmm. this 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 and then you know all the safety aspects and like the, the Scottish Rugby Union have got loads and loads of resources that teachers can access like they're all there waiting to go um, you know from primary and secondary school age and it's, it's there's videos that you can watch and um, just use, use your local development officers from clubs they'll, they will yeah. come into your school and help you and, uh, and and you know help guide you but hi that's it 
Well, Juliana, thank you so much for your time. Well, I was going to say this evening, but this morning where you are, that's um, certainly a, a good commitment to come on at half six um, New Zealand time and give us a, a contribution to our podcast. So, um, well, thanks, thanks a lot. Nice to meet you, Juliana. No, right, you too. And uh, maybe, maybe our paths will cross. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure they will. <laughs> sure they will. Maybe, a, maybe a, a rugby game with our skills in the future. Aye, or I might end up doing supply. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we'll put a good word done for you. Uh, if you venture far enough to five, we'll put a good word done. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us in this week's episode of the podcast. We hope you've been able to take something away that you can implement into your practice or life. If you regularly listen to the podcast, then why not leave us a review to let us know how we're doing and where we can perhaps improve. That way we can take action and further develop the Obo podcast. Until next time, we hope you have a fantastic week. Take care.